0: Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful, this is God in Country, The Collision of Faith and Politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. Dr. Sean
1: Michael Greener. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome. As you may have noticed, I'm a little gruff. You know why? Because I don't have my tea. Now, my son Darrell is here, but I don't have my tea. Now, I don't know if y'all think I ought to follow him or afar him, I just might, depending on how good the tea is, right? No, no, no. He just got back from doing a trail run and getting his workout on, so he, he had had no time to barrel, no water. So uh, I'm just so thankful that y'all are joining me today. It's awesome to have you. It's an honor. Um, any of you, uh, if you had the chance, let me pull up here. By the way, you've reached the Collision of Faith and Politics uh, radio show. Sorry, I forgot to tell you that. I figured you know where you are, but most of you most of you know where you are better than what I do um, Sunday we've gotten a lot of comments about Sunday and it's a it's a pretty cool thing it's called uh, the name of the game you might be surprised to know and very brief much more brief than I normally preach and uh, on Sunday's message commercial free and real real fast uh, Jerry from Pennsylvania was there and so uh, he can attest uh, again the name of the game before the Super Bowl was before the Super Bowl, and I have to tell you, um, it, it was very nearly prophetic, and, and I really, I, I just encourage you to go there and listen to it. It's free. Everything on our website is free, and if you're the type of person you have the uh, the ability to um, to do this uh, giving thing, I would sure appreciate it. We pay for all of this ourselves, and and uh, our Kehala, we have a little Kehala that meets every week, and um it's just, my son just said, now, see, this is why, just because somebody's 21 and three quarters, you shouldn't stop spanking them. I said about the tea, and my son says, Daryl, says, you're just jealous. I'm good looking. <sighs> that kid. That's what happens when you don't spank your children. I'm telling you. It's just bad. Anyway. I love that boy. He's a great kid. And I love my daughter too. I'm so fortunate. I have two great kids. I hear people complain about their kids all the time. And I think, man, I am so blessed. I have such great kids. But uh, Doyle and Lily. So anyhow, uh, Sunday, the name of the game, you might be surprised to know. I've got to tell you, um, the response to that has been pretty uh, shocking. And and I am very, very surprised to be very honest with you. Um, I talked about Tom Brady. And I talked about the game and I talked about playing, you know, some of the things that he said, you know, play, play all four quarters. You got to leave something left for the last. And I talked about that and I said some other things that were very nearly prophetic. It was kind of crazy. So enjoy that. I. It was a very low key. Some folks have said you sound kind of felt like to me like you were having a conversation with folks, just, you know, whoever was around, you were just chatting with them. And a little different than my normal style of preaching, but I have to say, uh, that's what it felt like to me, too. So um, I was privileged to deliver it before a live audience, and the radio audience was there, and and, um, it was just a privilege, just a privilege. And so I hope, given, you know, even if you're not a real big football fan, you don't have to be a football fan at all, you know what happened by now. So I'm just hoping... By the way, I'm tweeting this out on live now on my Facebook. uh, Collision Faith Politics Radio Show or Sean uh, SM Greener, Facebook.com backslash SM Greener. All those just click like on them. I've deleted a few people. Uh, Some folks use the F word on my page and they were crude. And so uh, and uh, so, you know. I'm a very blessed man. I I have a love wife and I'm just fully and completely blessed. I don't, I don't even know what to say. Super fortunate, super fortunate. Anyway, so, uh, as to the Super Bowl, let me just say this really quick. It's funny because if you watch the Super Bowl this past Sunday, first of all, it was incredible. It was one of the most exciting super first half, not so much, uh, Uh, the the New England Patriots were taking a drubbing. And then at the end, wow, boy, that second half was something, wasn't it? Something else to watch. It was really, really fun. And uh, I really enjoyed it, and it meant a lot to me, Um, a lot to me. So very – it was cool to deliver this. I have to tell you, it was cool to deliver this message and then have have that happen. And uh, I have to tell you, it's really, really cool. Uh, so let me say this, I'm not sure when I'm going to do this. I think it's going to be a Facebook live event. Uh, I've been under a lot of conviction lately. Um, and, and it's important to me to, to kind of be real with you folks. Um, I don't talk a whole lot. Hey, welcome Steve from Ohio, our RN from Ohio. case Things get out of hand in chat. He's there to patch people up. I, I don't tend to speaking of nurses and stuff and the medical profession, you know, some of, you know, I had a, a major car crash. I was hit head on, uh, in April 12th of 2012. Uh, the vehicle that hit me a Dodge Durango full of people, um, they were going 92, well, they were going 109 when they hit the median, they went airborne. And by the time they hit me head on and, um, I, they were going 92. When they hit me, I was going 51. I was traveling at 51. I went from 51 miles per hour to zero and seven feet. Completely and totally changed the trajectory of my life. And so I was just telling a friend today that, uh, you know, at first I denied, you know, my physical injuries, we, ju- we just didn't have any clue. Uh, we didn't receive the best uh, medical care after the crash, but, uh, and a fellow in the other car died as, and I knew the kid, his name was Andre, a wonderful boy. Um, but the guy driving, he just got out of jail, by the way. Um, he went to jail for, um, I don't, they pled it down. Anyway, the point is, and this is, this is the really important point. Um, I denied my, in my own mind, I denied that I had that kind of injury. I really did. I just, to tell you the truth, I didn't want to believe it. And so uh, the brain injury part of it, the other injuries, you know, I thought, yeah, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go ahead and have surgery and maybe a couple of surgeries, whatever it takes. And I usually heal pretty quick. You know, I'm giving this, I'll give this on the long end. Mm, I don't know. I'll let them, I'll let them have me for, let's just say six weeks after surgery. I'll be good. I'll go back to work. I was privately, um, and, and self-employed and, um, you know, that'll be fine. That'll be fine. So all that said to say, uh, I wasn't fine. <laughs> yeah, I was in really bad shape. Jerry from Pennsylvania was actually with me. He was my great, he was really, really, if it weren't for Jerry and, and my buddy, John, Um, who was a captain on the state police. If they weren't there in that room, uh, they, they kicked me out of the hospital at 23 hours and 59 minutes or something like that. But had they not been there, you just wouldn't believe what they were trying to do as it relates to me. And I don't know why I had insurance back then because of Obamacare. I don't have insurance now. Uh, but, but the point here is that I was really, really messed up. And and unfortunately, it's going to be a lifelong thing. And I'll get worse story here. I'm going to get much, much worse. So 100% disabled. And um, it's just it's just what it is. It's just what it is. And I have to deal with it. Well, I didn't talk about it very much, except for close, you know, very, very close friends and uh, family uh, and people that went through the experience with me. And uh, that being said, uh, my life took on, you know, there's uh, there's BC as in before Christ and AD as an Anno Domini or uh, BCE before common era. Anyway, so now I have a BC and an AC. I have BC versus AC before crash and after crash, before crash and after crash. And so now, uh, I have really come under conviction, and I'll tell you how I came under conviction. Um, The reason I came under conviction is I met a girl by the name, a young woman by the name of Christabel Braden, and you'll see I did. Let's see how this is, pretty boy. My son just gave me my tea. He says, if I need any more honey than this, I'm going to go into diabetic shock. I tend to like a lot of honey. It's good for my throat. When i'm talking now get out or i'll spank you 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 may be 21 and a half but i will spank you okay i just talked about how messed up i am and then i'm going to try to spank a guy that's my size yeah i still could remember that day at the front in the front hall there you go i always still got a little bit left anyway so there's bc thank you buddy i love you um huh no it's fine it'll be fine i'm sure it'll be fine so bc versus ac and i met christabel braden and she has a brain injury. Great musician. Un- unbelievable story. Uh, unbelievable story. I'm going to be doing a Facebook Live uh, on on uh, some Tuesday coming up here with her. And I'm telling you, uh, man, I fell under conviction. Well, first of all, I experienced some things that I had denied for a long time that were real. That that they just didn't they just didn't resonate with me because I didn't want. I didn't want, <laughs> Jerry says, if I, if I throw Doyle around, I'll throw everything out of joint. He's a big kid, let me tell you. Um, I, I just didn't want to believe that I was in some way different after crash versus before crash. I didn't. I didn't want to believe it. I couldn't believe it. And, um, and I just rejected it. And I tried to move on as though I was fine. And even after I had my surgery, they almost didn't do my surgery. Was, they were going to send me to the trauma center. I was like, oh, please, Lord Jesus, no, don't, don't send me back there. They don't, um, Doyle wants to know, was that a fat joke? He's so sensitive. Um, I didn't want to go back to that trauma center for any, I, I didn't want to do it. I just, no way I want to go back there. So I'm, I'm in there waiting surgery. They gave me five pushes of cardizem in IV. They'd already given me Versed, you know, about to put me out. And they're like, your blood pressure is 305 over 255. We need to send you to the emergency room. And, uh, you know, you're you're a trauma code. And I said, you know, it's just ever since the crash, it won't go down. And um, needless to say, I did not want, I didn't want to have surgery held off. I just didn't want to have surgery held off. It it was too important. I I just, I wanted to go on, just come on, let's go on and let's just get this thing done. And uh, so they finally did. They, they, they gave me the Cardizam, they gave me something else and then they gave me Versed and finally it was down low enough. And by the time I was about 60% through surgery, it started climbing back up again. They had to hurry, hurry, hurry. Uh, and then right out of surgery, they gave me three more, three or five more. I can't remember how many shots of Cardizam intravenously. And they said, look, normally people stop breathing with this much. I don't understand. You know, how are you even breathing? But it's still not coming down. And they, they really aggressively were very aggressive about it, as as they should be. I understand. And uh, look, you you got to go get this checked out. You have to get there. Um, so for me, for just for me, uh, You know, spinal damage, serious neck damage, my goodness, just awful, awful, awful damage, shattered left shoulder, all my joints pop completely out of joint. Um, I'm very forgetful. I have a, a pretty serious brain injury and all the stuff that comes with that. Um, You, you know, rooms don't look the same when I'm standing up. They're all tilted. Uh, it's called proprioception. And then I have a type of vertigo as a result of, of the brain injury. And so only when I'm standing, some when I'm sitting, but so, so all that said to say my life is is dramatically different uh, before crash versus after crash BC versus AC. and so I'm gonna talk about that either in a Facebook live video or I'm gonna write about it and and uh, I think I would rather talk about it than to write about it. It's very difficult for me to write. It's very emotional for me to write. but the reason when I met Christabel Braden, I realized first of all it it does no good to deny you know what's real. It it doesn't help me. And it doesn't help anybody else. And this is um this is really you know, this is really it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. I'm a very self-sufficient person. Even now, I try to be as self-sufficient as I can. I try not to depend on anybody. And, and it's it's an awkward feeling, you know, to feel this way. Um, but I have to say, I realized after meeting Christabel that, and she runs uh, a, a foundation called Hope After Head Injury. And after talking to her, there was so I actually interviewed her for this show. It was on, if you search under listen, um, you'll see it and then and you can listen to it. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. And, but after the, sh- after I, even during the show, I was under such conviction that man, I'm not helping anybody. Look at her. She's running around helping all these people. And people would ask me, you know, how you doing? And I always like to be the guy that never brings anybody else down. I like to say, you know, um, I'm, I'm great. I'm good. I'm really, really good. You know, thanks. And and in reality, I'm I'm not good. So some days I can't walk. Some days I can't eat. I choke all the time on my food. Difficulty breathing. I get lost. I get lost on the way home. Get lost going somewhere. I've been there a hundred times. Um, I see people I've known my whole life. I don't know who they are. Um, and generally, you know, it's, it's a little jogging. I can come back. Uh, I can't count. I have multiple uh, doctorates and masters and all that stuff. I have a, a, a very high IQ and I can't count to 20. Uh, I've been taken advantage of at cashiers when they realize, Hey, this guy doesn't realize, you know, what amount of money he's taken out. And I had a, I had a lady take $200 from me, a cashier at a grocery store. Um, so, you know, very careful. I've built in systems, all these different things, but you know, the reality of it is, is I need very much to realize that, uh, I need to start talking about this because there's a lot of people out there I'm learning that they really, they need someone to encourage them. And I remember how amazing it felt to me when I realized, wow, you know what? I'm not the only one. I am not the only one. And when I realized that it was a beautiful thing, it really, really was. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And and I just was, I, I felt good about it. I felt really good about it. So I feel like with the reach that i have they tell me the the publicist people tell me that i reach a little over a million people a week now that's what they tell me i don't know if that's true but that's what they tell me so from my perspective i felt very strongly you know what maybe it's time i start talking about it. so i'm going to do this thing ac uh versus uh bc versus ac so that's uh, that's coming up. Be looking for that, and uh, I, I'm very excited about the show. I'm waiting on him to call in now. Uh, K. Carl is a really neat guy. He's been on the show before. He's doing amazing things. K. Carl Smith, um, really, really an extraordinary man. He's super busy, so I'm sure he got sidetracked or something. Um, but what K. Carl does, uh, and and I don't know if any of you were listening when when he called. Uh, when he was a guest before, but what Kay Carl does is he, he, he connects. I, I don't know that I've ever really seen anyone that I know of that's out there. Um, well, let me think. Maybe I know a couple, well, yeah, I know a couple of people. I know a couple of people. They're not on, they're not on the, uh, they're not on the level that K. Carl is. I just don't know that there's that many people that are doing what he does, especially how he does it. Um, K. Carl it was a, a military officer, very decorated military officer, very highly regarded. Uh, I believe he's retired, and uh, he's black. And he tell you he's black. He travels all over the country and he helps create, uh, he has this thing called diversity engagement. Uh, diversity engagement. Let's see, let me get him the number here, the call-in number. Yeah, Let. hang on one second. I don't want to say it out loud that people call in. Can I be your guest? One day I had 111 calls pending because apparently I accidentally gave out the number. Um We're going to start taking more calls, by the way, Uh, but I'm not typically a real uh, call-in centric show. You know, that's just, I just don't normally, that's not normally how I do. Uh, And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, You know, I I, I don't have a screener is is the big reason why. I just don't have a screener. And for me, uh, I feel bad if... Somebody gets on the air, and they shouldn't be, uh, and that, and that's a bad thing. But I think we may have K. Carl here. Hang on one second. This is not a number I recognize, but we'll give it a shot. K hey, Carl.
2: Hey, how you doing, Sean?
1: Good, brother. How are you?
2: I'm doing pretty good. Nice hearing your voice again.
1: Oh, it's good to hear your voice again. I like a good old Southern accent. Uh, it makes it puts me right to home.
2: <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, uh,
1: so that's it sounds good. to me like you're driving in your car. Where are you on your way to? Somewhere good?
2: Um, I'm heading home. Picked up my son from school,
1: so I'm heading home. Awesome. Awesome. See how much he can do. He can be on a national radio show and and be taking his kids' places and running home, doing all that stuff. See that? That's who we got involved here. Hey, look, I tell you what. Your are diverse. Is it diversityengagement.org? That's correct.
2: Diversityengagement.org,
1: yes. That's crazy. Yes. Brother, you got me addicted to it. Uh, And I went through and I talked about it last time you were on the show. And I went yeah. on live after. Yeah. Well, I ended up going through that course. And I'm telling you, folks, that is powerful. It's powerful. There's no other way to explain it. it and it, what happens is, is it, you know, the Bible talks about scales on your eyes. You can't see you have scales on your eyes. This takes the scales off of, off of your eyes and it helps you to see and deal with, with different, you know, relations between races. But in a way that really isn't, first of all, it's a history lesson, but it's fun sure, history.
3: Yeah.
1: It's fun history. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, go ahead.
2: It's an empowerment. It's a, uh, it's, you know, one of the biggest challenges that conservatives face. Number one is whole thing about diversity and inclusion, but this other thing, how to deal with the, vile and malicious propaganda machine of the left when they call us racists, they call us sellouts, and they call us Uncle Tom's. If we cannot defeat that propaganda battle or win that propaganda battle, our message of liberty and free market principles will never resonate because people will not take us seriously because they perceive us to be a racist or an Uncle Tom. So we gotta learn how to win that battle. And that's what that course does. It empowers conservatives how to trump the race card, pun intended.
1: Yeah. Well, and so that leads me to ask you a question about President sure. Trump. Now, I, I know folks that have been around President Trump every day at a forearm's length for 15 years. And, and I mean, nobody closer physically to him than, than my friend. And I can just tell you, he tells an entirely different story than what the press is telling now. Now, before President Trump was candidate Trump, before he was candidate Trump, Nobody ever said he was a racist. Nobody ever nobody ever called him those those names. Um, nobody ever identified him that way. But now all of a sudden that he was the Republican nominee or, or a candidate, oh my goodness, it's it's out of the blue, all this starts coming and it doesn't make any sense. None whatsoever. It doesn't make any sense to my friend, doesn't make any sense to me.
2: It it makes sense because you gotta you know who we're dealing with. We're dealing with the left. This is all orchestrated because they do not want Trump, uh, President Trump, to be su- the administration to be successful, so they're coming out playing their number one card uh, to to silence conservatives is the race card. So it's all orchestrated to minimize his effectiveness, but also to silence our conservative voice. So the message of liberty will not resonate, and their message of really of socialism and con- communism penetrates the country. That's the that's the challenge.
1: So. <coughs> I I guess, so that begs the question. By the way, chat is open, folks. If you have any questions, I'm going to log in the chat. I've got it throttled back to, I think, 15 people, um, 10 or 15 people. So uh, it gets more than that, and then it becomes some crazy thing, takes on its own life. But uh, we have great people in chat now. If the folks in chat have any questions for K. Carl, feel free to shoot them in. Um, And then people who have my instant message and all that, um, they – Let's see here. Let's see here. Um, we, right, here's here's a question that we have is how did it get this way? How did it get this way? Why is the left always using the race car? Oh, I bet I know your answer. Why is the left? How did it yeah. get this way? And why is the left? So we'll skip back from President Trump. Uh, why? Yeah. yeah. How did it get this way? And why are they doing this? Why is this your number one thing?
2: Well, in my personal view, the reason why they're doing this is because as conservatives and as Republicans, we once had control of the narrative. Now things are so twisted now that the left who are aligned with the Democrat Party, the party that supported slavery in the South, the party that gave us Jim Crow laws, they gave us segregation, they they, they went against and voted against every anti-Lynching law, that party now is calling conservatives racist. So they have control of the narrative. So what has happened through the with the uh working in cohorts with the left wing media, um, the left they are the masters of the seat and the wizards of propaganda. So they have control of that narrative and they're using it to the hilt. And so as conservatives, uh, we gave it away back in nineteen sixty four, control of the narrative. We gotta get it back. Of course, my my point is the only way we can get control of the narrative back, that we must have a strategy that can number one win the propaganda battle, and number two reignite America's passion for liberty. And that icon is Frederick Douglass. No other but Frederick Douglass.
1: Now, tell us more about Frederick Douglass. Uh, uh, some folks complained to me a little bit. They said, last time K. Carl was on, you glossed over Frederick Douglass. Uh, me, as in yeah. I glossed over. And, and I don't yeah. want to be guilty of that. So, so tell us a little bit about Frederick Douglass so that we can kind of have a little bit oh. more of a background. Because I'll tell you, folks, kids are not learning this in school. They're not learning it in school. You can bet on that.
2: Well, I'm going to try not to gloss over him, but I'm going to try to do it in two minutes. And let me give you just a quick, just a refresher on Frederick Douglass. Here's a man born 1818 in the Eastern Shores area of Maryland. In Maryland. And the way I like to put it, Frederick Douglass was born below poverty because he was born into slavery. And being born into slavery is born below poverty. So he began his life as a sub-zero percenter. He was a slave for the first twenty years of his life. Never owned a pair of shoes till he was eight years old, never slept in the bed till age seven. He was homeschooled, self-taught, taught himself how to read and write while he was a slave born on a plantation. And then once he learned how to read and write, he started a reading ministry on the plantation. To teach other slaves how to, how to read and write. And that's fast forward a little bit, without glossing over. it's kinda of fast forward a little bit. 1838, he makes good on his second attempt uh to escape from slavery so he escaped from slavery 1838 age of 20. now Frederick Douglass was um when he made that escape from slavery the question what did he escape from well uh he escaped from slave master entitlements because the way i like to put it is this when he was a slave boy he was getting that free stuff free health care inadequate health care uh, clothing slave master provided him with food shelter I can make the case that Frederick Douglass was a 47 percenter, but the story doesn't end there. He escaped from slavery. Here's a man who uh, wrote three autobiographies. Based on my reading of history, 90% of black Americans could not read or write. This man wrote three autobiographies. Zero days of formal schooling. He was an advisor to five, five U.S. presidents. Let me go through them right quickly. Abraham Lincoln, Ulysses S. Grant, James Garfield, Rutherford Hayes and Benjamin Harrison. Why most folks don't get a chance to meet one president. Frederick Douglass was advisor to five U.S. presidents, all Republican presidents, by the way. Hmm. Frederick Douglass was a—he was a. Of course, he was a speaker on the anti-slavery circuit, and also part of the women's suffrage movement. And here's a trivia question for your audience: Frederick Douglass died 1877 at age at the age of 77 in 1895. How much money in savings do you think Douglas had amassed at the time of his death? Well, the answer uh, is $300,000. $300, wow. It's $300,000, which is equivalent based on today's inflation dollars. That's more than $15 million today. So here's a man who wow. began his life as a sub-zero percenter. He was a 47 percenter. Credit Douglas died a one percenter. So the life of Doug is very inspiring because the adversity he, he overcame uh, to achieve that kind of success in his life. Nobody, in my opinion, started so low in life and rose as high as Frederick Douglass. And, but also his writings are very important. That's what conservatives need to get because if we're serious about defending liberty and the Constitution, we must incorporate the writings of Frederick Douglass into our message because when Douglass writes, he writes with a former slave perspective. And that's what the left will have an answer for. For example, uh, Dr. Sean, D- Douglass wrote about the Constitution. He said this. He said the Constitution reads with the people. It does not read with the white people douglas went on to say the problem is not with the constitution the problem is in the application of the constitution so it's hard to um challenge a runaway slave about his love for liberty his respect for the constitution and the founders because he did not own his slave douglas was a slave (laughs) and nobody did more for the poor than Frederick Douglass. so that's why the left has no answer for Frederick Douglass, and they never will so it will behoove us as conservatives and the friends of freedom to incorporate Douglas into our message and understand it is through the life and the writings of Frederick Douglass that's what empowers us as conservatives to trump the race card. But what we're telling people that we believe what Frederick Douglass believes in, in those life empowering values. And those life empowering values are respect for the Constitution, economic prosperity. Free speech, personal responsibility, respect for life. These are some of the core values that Douglas embraced that allowed him to rise from a slave to a statesman. So, a Frederick Douglass Republican is a person not based on ethnicity, but a person who embraces those four life environment values of Frederick Douglass. So, it's not about color that makes you a Frederick Douglass Republican. It's about those values.
1: You said something that, that has triggered a question both in chat and then in, in my mind. Uh, <clears throat> President Trump, when he was traveling around uh, delivering his message directly to the people in these massive rallies, he actually yeah. had the personal strength to go to black neighborhoods black churches um, you know predominantly black schools all of these things he went right into it and he and and he would say and I know that this probably is something that you you've heard, what have you got to lose? The the Democrats have been telling you your, your leadership from your governor, your your liberal governor, your, your liberal uh, mayor, and all these different things. L- liberal school teachers telling you and all these Black Lives Matter, you know, people telling right. you, uh, no, you, they're going to do you wrong. Uh, you got to stick with Hillary. You got to Hillary's going to help you. Now, this almost 70 right. year old uh, woman is going to somehow or another help you. Well, they've had control. For all these years, they haven't helped a bit, and and President Trump right. said, then candidate Trump said, "What have you got to lose? Look where you are!
2: Right.
1: Look where you right. are!" Right. So so then there's the the question I'm going to tether to that from Steve from Ohio. Uh, if you, K Carl, could have Trump do t- President Trump do two things to end the race and gender arguments? What would they be?
2: Uh, before I get to that, let me quick make a comment. What you just mentioned, if I was an advisor to Trump at that time. I would have advised him, don't go and say to the the black community what you have to lose. Because what conservatives fail to understand, because we're losing the propaganda battle so badly, Dr. Sean, that before we speak, we have already been discredited. So when we speak, what people are hearing is they're hearing words coming from a perceived racist or perceived Uncle Tom, so the message falls on deaf ears. What I would have now hang on, hang on a second, hang on a second, hang let me make
1: sure I understand. Yeah. Are K Carl, are yeah. you saying, folks, we have K. Carl Smith with us, great patriot, Frederick Douglass, uh, Republican founder. Um, are you saying now who are they calling an Uncle Tom? They are not calling President Trump black. an Uncle Tom or then candidate. Oh no, no,
2: no, no. So, no, so no, hold up, hold black, up. So you're
1: saying so you're saying because I know I've talked to Alan West, I've talked to uh, C L Bryan, I've talked to uh 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 you know so many people so many people yeah very prominent black folk and i've and i've asked them that i said you know you're conservative and yet you're you're a pariah within your own community of black people why why is that and and yeah i've asked them do you get called names like this by your own people and they'll tell me and and um dr ben carson uh, he has my book and And uh, when he gets a little less busy, we're going to get together and and work on a chapter for my next book. Uh, But Dr. Carson told me, he said, Sean, you need to understand. There are blacks in, if I'm lighter than another black person, they're darker than me or the group, uh, let's say we're in a group of people and I'm the lightest one there. He said, there's a lot of times where they will, they will ice me out because I'm lighter than them or because I use certain words a certain way, or, you know, it, I mean, it comes mm. down to so many different things. So, so I, what I don't understand and, and I don't know if the rest of white people understand this or not, it's apparent we don't understand. I could say me, well, I don't here,
2: understand. Yeah. Well, here's how I explain that. I, now I go in the course, I go in much detail to what I'm getting ready to say right now. It is simply this. We got to understand that because we're losing the propaganda battle so badly, that the word conservative, that's not the language of liberty in minority communities. The word conservative is the language of a – so if you say you're a black conservative and you're in the minority community, that's what you're saying, but that's not what people are hearing. What people are hearing is this, black conservative, black racist. Reagan conservative, Reagan racist. So that word conservative has been so demonized. And also there's some historical reasons why that word conservative has a racist connotation. And in the course, I get into that and break down what happened in 1964, where the word conservative and the name Republican Party have become culturally ingrained in the black community to mean racism and oppression. Gotcha. So what's happening when you go out and engage in using the wrong words, it's not that people in the minority communities disagree with you. But they're using the own words, and the wall is up, tack is
1: on. So how do,
2: Dr. We, Dr. Sean, I, how do we – Dr. Schott, how do we get around that? How do we overcome that?
1: Well, what words do we use? What I words? mean, it's
2: uh, – Here's an example. When I when – I, if that's where I'm going, if I'm going to a Republican Party meeting, it's okay, K. Carl Smith, the black conservative. They understand my definition of conservatism, and it's not the uh, racist conservatism of the Democrat Party. But when you go into minority communities and when I go into minority communities, the word conservative does not come out of my mouth. I never let them introduce me as a black conservative. They introduced me as a Frederick Douglass Republican in lieu of saying conservative.
1: You follow okay. me? Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: And, and so, so that Frederick Douglass Republican phrase is what allows me as a conservative to seize control of the narrative and drive the narrative and start sharing a message of liberty, and I can start changing hearts and minds. That's why I contend it would not work without, without Frederick Douglass. And in the, in the course, I break that down, what happened historically regarding those two words, conservative and Republican Party, and how as conservatives, what we have to do to get control of the narrative back. Because until we have control of the narrative back, we can't preserve liberty, we can't preserve the Constitution. Because we're, we're, we're on the defense all the time. we got to be on the offense all the time.
1: So that's why you named it diversity engagement, uh, because in, to me engagement is not uh, colliding; it, it's engaging. It's it's not a like the name of this show is Collision of Faith and Politics. That yeah. is simply yeah. saying there there is a collision uh, that causes a, a a conflict between conservative. Uh, Christian or Messianic Jew yeah. or Jewish, uh, yeah. that whole crowd and politics. There, there is a there is a, a kinetic action, a kinetic action that happens with this show and w- when I give speeches and all that. You know, people expect that. And that's what that's what they're that's what they're paying me to come there for. However, right, what you're saying is we can't we cannot come there and say, hey, I have. So I kind of get what you're saying about President Trump. You wouldn't have said what would you have told because, him to say? Uh, maybe maybe you were standing see, see, there, you're President you, Trump, what would you say?
2: See, see, let me paint this picture for you. If if I perceive, because this whole thing we're losing a propaganda battle, if I perceive that Republicans and conservatives are racist and Uncle Tom's, when they speak to me, I'm I'm, I'm listening to what they have to say, but if you come and say to me you know what you got to lose, and to try something new. To me now, you're talking down to me. You're not talking to me. You're talking at me. I got it. are not talking to me. You're talking at me. So what happens? My wall, my 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 wall is gonna go up. I don't want you to talk at me. Talk to me. What I would yeah. suggest that he would he'd have done. I would. And he has to do this from the heart. You just can't. You just can't say this and not mean it and be effective. You have to mean it from the heart. He what he should have done. First of all, he should have taken some time to study Frederick Douglass and wholeheartedly come out and say to this crowd, look, I've been recently inspired by the life and writings of Frederick Douglass. As a matter of fact, I agree, I agree with his policy, his, his his philosophy on economic empowerment. And what I'm going to do as yeah. president, I'm going to show we pass legislation that elevates the poor to become employees and entrepreneurs. That's all he has to say. So, yeah. what, so what conservatives and what I teach candidates, Republican candidates, I teach them how to Position themselves on the issue by referring to the writings of Frederick Douglass and not just the founding fathers, who I can play the race card on. You follow me?
1: I follow you. So, this, so, this whole
2: engagement philosophy is nothing new, Dr. Dr. Sean. This whole engagement philosophy is, is, patterned at the, is patterned after the ministry of the Apostle Paul. In my personal <laughs> view, the Apostle Paul was a diversity engagement strategist, he was a specialist at it he had, he was commissioned to take the gospel to the gentiles people of different races paul give us the answer well god give us the answer through the ministry of apostle paul on how to do diversity engagement and apostle paul paul is a diversity engagement expert
1: okay so then the next question someone has messaged this in um okay now this is a black person and sure this particular person Uh, My buddy, actually, I know him real well. He doesn't like being called an African-American. He said, everywhere I go, people want to paint me as an African-American. He said, I've traced my lineage all the way back. I am not from Africa. Nobody in, you know, a generation back is from Africa. How do I explain to them that I don't prefer to be called an African-American? Just call me black. Well, I just messaged him and said, do you not find being called black a pejorative? And he said, no, I don't, I, I was black. He's same age as me. I was black, you know, when we were coming up and I'm black now, I don't have, I'm not embarrassed of it. I'm proud of it. So how do we help that yeah. guy? Cause he's a conservative. He's a, not tell you what else too. He's a conservative Christian. Uh, and most of his family are conservatives, but they live yeah. in an area where there's not a whole lot of black conservatives. Okay
2: a lot, do I tell lot of black. Let well, there's, there's, me, me try to unpack this here because there's a lot of, lot of points I need to address here. First of all, the word, the, the, the terminology, uh, black American versus African American. Now, for me personally, I do refer to myself as an African American, not as a matter of separation, Dr. Sean, but as a matter of inspiration. And I, gotcha. I got that from studying Douglas. See, right. see when you I tell me that, might that be I'm a. Yeah, because see, when you say when you say I'm a black American, my question is then, okay, what is my historical starting point as a black American? If you say I'm a black American, then my, my historical starting point is in slavery as a black American. But if you say that I'm an African American and I do have some African lineage on my father's side, then my historical starting point is liberty. So my ancestors were originally free. Having that understanding of my historical starting point is very yeah. positive and necessary to develop a positive self esteem in my children, my grandchildren. No, no, you didn't begin in slavery. You began in, in liberty. Douglas talked about that in his first autobiography when he was six years old. Douglas said he was almost to the point in his life where he was going to accept the fact that he was going to be a slave for life until his grandmother started telling him stories about his ancestors in Africa. And she said to Freddie, said, Freddie, we hadn't always been slaves. Your your ancestors were originally free, so with that statement by his grandmother, Douglas concluded. He said, "Wait a minute, if my folks were originally free, why am I a slave today?" So Douglas said, right then at the age of six, he started putting a plan together for his escape, and he escaped fourteen years later. Mm, so so it, it's based on it it it, it 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 based on how you want to run your household. If you're okay with a black American, that's fine. But for me in my house, I got to put a a sense of positive self esteem into my children, my grandchildren, and use that term African American as a matter of inspiration and not separation.
1: Gotcha.
2: I think that's very important.
1: So I I, I don't get wrapped
2: wrapped around the ankle. ankle, I don't get wrapped around the axle about African American, Black American, because it's your personal choice. Yeah. Really, it's your personal choice. So that's not a big thing for me.
1: Okay, but gotcha. Do, well, I he, do, he, he do, takes a I lot of crap I, over it.
2: Well, well then he, he got he to he deal with that because it's really how you look at those two words because when you say black American, for me, that connects me to the dependency and slavery. If you say African American to me, that connects me to you liberty, were once free. entrepreneurship, once free, architects. So I tell my grandchildren, that's your, those are your ancestors. They were mathematicians. And you know what? They take education seriously. That's the how do we to drive home.
1: The, the next question I have is coming in. Let's see here. Also, uh, now, she refers to herself as an African-American. And yes. oddly enough, you just mentioned education. She is an educator. She is a conservative Christian educator in the public school system. I'm not going to say what city. Uh, but it, but it's, it's a hardcore liberal city. She's taking a lot of heat because she doesn't want to join the teachers union because they're always, uh, they're always pushing, um, sort of the enslavement ideology, exactly opposite of what you and Frederick Douglass are saying that, look, we were once free. I never thought about that, man. I'm going to write a sermon on that. We were once free. Mm -hmm. We weren't always enslaved. And so you have to know, well, where was I? Where was my lineage before I was enslaved? How did I get enslaved? Yeah, and then yeah, how did I yeah, get out? Because I'm not enslaved point. now. So she wants to know. Yeah, your historical uh, she, point is very important. Yeah. Um, okay, here we go. Yeah, she wants to know. First of all, she wants to know, is and I've already typed out uh, diversity engagement uh, to send her to that because I think that'll help her. But then uh, at well, the right, same time.
2: Uh, right now just quickly when you go to the diversity engagement right now you have to join the waiting list because i just closed registration um last week for the online for the uh FD, classes Doug's public and training program you got to go mm-hmm. on the waiting list and based on the kind of demands i'm getting i think i got to open up that uh, course again probably another two weeks i was going to wait to april try to do it once a quarter but i'm getting so many calls and emails I I probably got to open up the course. It's addictive uh, this month.
1: It's it's addictive. I'm telling you, it's totally changed the way I relate. Now, she wants to know, first question, Uh, she teaches 10th grade. She teaches high school. She said that what's weird is the, I'm I'm trying to read this real fast because she's typing real fast. Um, She said, black kids in my schools don't want to learn. They are most Uh often gang members. And they are dangerous i'm afraid of them every day she said how do i engage a kid like that and then the second thing is well the first thing i took them out of order um she doesn't want to to be involved with this union because even though they say they're pro african-american pro black community and all this stuff it is more of a black lives matter approach uh, than it is your approach, a Frederick Douglass Republican approach. So how does she How does she engage that? How do, what does she do?
2: Well, first, first thing is you're exactly right. The Frederick Douglass Republican movement is the conservative alternative to Black Lives Matter. As a matter of fact, we have recruited some members of Black Lives Matter to our movement based on truth. Uh, yeah. Black Lives Matter are not getting the truth. And they tout themselves as a modern-day civil rights movement. And we let them know that Frederick Doug is the father of the civil rights movement, so they connect with that, and I can tell more about that. So how does she con- how does she connect with those young people that's in the classroom? The only suggestion that comes to my mind is this. you got to give these young people an example of success based on a person that they cannot out-victimize. And, and I, I, you can't use Kay Carl Smith, You can't use Ben Carson. You can't use Alan West because – Right on some situations, some of those young kids can out-victimize those individuals, including myself. But nobody today can out-victimize Frederick Douglass.
1: I mean, the story Hathen you just Hath- told about Hath- him are stuff I didn't know.
2: Yeah. I straight Hath- up didn't Hath- know Hath- most of Hath- that, Hath- Hath- that, what you told can me. Read. Yeah. I will say, I got to check myself, and I was going to say have them Hath- 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 read Frederick Douglass' first autobiography. But at the end, in 10th grade, based on our education system, I don't know if they can read
1: Well, that's what she says. She's trying to help these kids and all they ever do, the more she tries to help them, all they ever do is want to try to assault her and threaten her and, you know, uh, sexually threaten her and all these things. She's been followed to her car and she's gotten pushed and all these different things. Well, I'll tell you where she is. She's in Washington, D.C. She has been moved twice, public school. Uh, She's been moved twice. She's trying desperately to get a job at a private school. Uh, but some of her friends, that are private school teachers, tell her it's not much better.
2: I think it's she's a lot looking in some of these private schools, uh, based on what I've seen, based on what I, in, in DC area. It's, it's not as a combat zone as is in the public school system, uh, based right. on my experience of visiting some. Of these well, schools. I would,
1: I would agree with my that. Prayer, I my think my is is I don't have I don't
2: have, yeah, I don't have any immediate, hands solution. If it was me, this is just K. Call speaking. I definitely find me some, some other place to work because um, people are not receptive to her message and to her teaching and to learning. Then they're, they're coming with the wrong attitude, and it, it, it's, it's sad to say um, h- how much of your life are you putting in danger. I mean, is is right. is, 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 is worse is it worse than that and spend your time with people who, who want who want to learn who want to be educated? And I wish and pray that some of these kids will have a change of heart and want more than life than what the what they're living right now
1: uh she has uh she has asked me let's see here i'm trying to scroll down here right quick she has asked me oh no uh, you already answered that uh then we have another person kind of a famous person that is a white person and she says how as a white person do i not offend Black people, when I'm talking to them, because it seems like everything I say to some black people, they find offensive. I would say diversity.
2: Yeah, very simple. Um, Again, I I don't have the time to get into this course. And I'm not here to hawk the course, but I'm sharing with the audience a resource that works. And I cover this all in the online course, the Frederick Douglass Training Program, which also includes coaching. And the answer is this. You, you must master, and I had to do this, we must master a language of liberty that has a universal appeal. And in that process, you'll understand what words are politically explosive, that when you use these words, you're going to be attacked. And it's not because right. the people you're talking to are disagreeing with you, but you're using the wrong word, the word conservative, Republican Party, take our country back, uh, those kind of expressions. You gotta know what phrases that the left has the left has masterfully demonized. Mm-hmm. And so unknowingly when we use those words, we're creating a situation where we're gonna have a confrontation, not a conversation.
1: Okay. So so that gets diffused. So that the confrontation gets diffused. Oh, well, let me give you an example. Now, I have I have somebody typing in here. i am let them finish what they're typing, but I'll kind of go. Uh, basically, I think what they're saying is that they live in a place where there was a Black Lives Matter uh, yeah. protest that turned into a riot. And so they had to yeah. get from where they live, and I know where they live. They had to get from where they live to their workplace, and they had to get through there. And, and so in order to do that, they had to... Put themselves in great danger. They're they're black. They refer to themselves as black. Uh, and so, in so doing, they thought, "Well, I'm black. I can just walk right through there." Well, they were wearing business type of clothes and uh, you know, dressed for success and all of this. And they tried to go through. And what happened was, uh, got pushed around, got their clothes tugged on. Uh, was wearing a, wow. a nice sweater, and the sweater got pulled, it got ruined, and kind of was a little. Ah, uh, showy, because it got stretched and and pulled and all, and uh, and she said she was very afraid for her life. She said I, I understand. asked, I understand? Yeah, she said I asked these people, many of whom were white. Now they're you know are, they're they're, they're so against society in general. They're they're anarchists. Uh, Soros led an- anarchists, but so there's a lot of white people. She said were right in the thing, but when I mean, they were kind of screaming and throwing stuff but then I asked them. you know, this is what she's saying. I asked them, why are you doing this? And they, none of them would Mm -hmm. answer. They just kept pushing on her because she didn't have a sign on her head saying, I'm a conservative black person. I'm going to my job. She just kept saying, look, y'all, I got to get through. I got to get to my job.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, first thing to come to my mind, Dr. Sean, we don't need the KKK anymore because Black folks are, are detrimental to their own people who look just like them. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, who needs who needs the KKK? I, I yeah. don't know how you avoid that. I mean, what what else what else could she have done to uh, not make herself stand out? I don't know. Unless she unless she gets there and chants with them and shouts with them, and it's really sad because um, the Black Lives Matter what they're doing. As a Matter of fact, Doctor Sean, you Black Lives Matter got thirty three million dollars from Charles, George Service when they started. And not long ago, the Ford Foundation said they're going to give them a hundred million dollars. Well, I got some funding from a conservative group, and it was like um, about four or five thousand dollars. It's hard. It's hard to be. It's hard to take a, a butter knife into a gunfight and win. Yeah,
1: yeah, and yeah. That's yeah. What
2: we're dealing with. And so I, well, I, where yeah. can I have? You do? bring
1: up something good. You well, hang on a second. Now I want to see. Can we get you some money? Um, where do if somebody's listening all around the world, uh, and they say, "Look, I want to." plug into what they're doing or make a one-time donation or whatever. Uh, heck, I can't get them to give to me, so maybe they'll give to you. Uh, where can they send their money? Like, where can they go and send their money?
2: Okay, this is a different website. This is by C4 organization, and it's LibertyMessengerUSA.org. LibertyMessengerUSA.org.
1: Org. Boom, messenger. Okay, I just put it out there in chat. So it's available for everybody. And again, welcome to you folks in chat to our visitors and, and to our regular folks. It's so good to have you. Uh, we have on on the show with us today. Uh, a great, great guy. Uh, you know, I told you last time, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I did my first radio interview with you. Uh, you and I were guests. We sat oh, in a pickup yeah. truck down in Charlotte. And uh, I didn't, I hadn't met you before, and that was a lot of fun. That was a lot, a lot of fun. I had a good time. So, we have another question. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. What can we do for the African American community to open their eyes to what the left is doing against them? How do we provide them proof? Now, I'll read that again, but before I do, yeah, read it again. He said, read it again. He says, what can we do for the African American community to open their eyes to what the left is doing against them? How do we provide them proof? Now, the second part, how do we provide them proof? I I can tell you, we put proof in front of folks and we say, look, this is real. Uh, Hillary Clinton, Margaret Sanger, Planned Parenthood. They hate you. They want to kill you. You are are a check for them. And they just don't believe it. They won't believe it. The, 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 the The
2: first step is in reach. Before you can do outreach, You have to do in-reach. In-reach is much more important than outreach. In-reach is is this. i got to look at myself and see what I need to do to improve first. In other words, am I using the right words? Uh, Am I presenting myself in a way? Am I describing myself to one as a conservative? And when I say that, it's not that I'm not one, but when I say that word, the wall goes up. And no matter what I say after that, it doesn't matter what truth, evidence, or information you provide, once people perceive you as a racist on Uncle Tom, it doesn't matter what you say. They're not going to pay attention to it. In other words, Dr. Sean, why would I listen to a person I think is a racist? Why would I listen right. to him and get advice from him? So what has to happen, we got to do, in, in, do some in-reach. We got to carefully study to show ourselves approved and learn how to engage. We gotta got to learn how to engage. Once you learn how to engage, then when you go out there and you do your outreach, now you're credible. Because what I'll teach you in the in the in the course is you got to cloak yourself in the writings of Frederick Douglass to be effective. And when you go and you want to talk to people in the African American communities, if you go out there as you're a black conservative, you're a black racist in their eyes. You go out there with the Frederick Douglass uh, uh, engagement strategy. And in the, in the in the training program, I explain why the Frederick Douglass Republican engagement strategy works, and One key point why it works, it's an oxymoron for many people. Frederick Douglass signifies liberty. Because we're losing a propaganda battle, Republican denotes racism or oppression. So when you put those two words together into a phrase, it creates a a mystery in the other person's mind, and they want to know what you're talking about. That's when you seize control of the narrative. And they look at you as a different light because, especially if you're a white person, you say you're a Frederick Douglass Republican. And we don't we, we know through MSNBC that all white conservatives are racist, and a white conservative is using the name Frederick Douglass. Oh my gosh, they can it's, it's going to be hard to evaluate and say that you are racist. Why are you to Fred, Why do you hold Frederick Douglass in high esteem? And I perceive that you are a racist or oh, Uncle Tom. Mm-hmm. So so this whole this whole engagement strategy that God has given me, and I did not come up with this. I'm just so thankful I'm being used by God to do something great for Him. Um it is a strategy that is based on the writings of Frederick Douglass, but it's also based on the engagement strategy of the Apostle Paul. When you put mm-hmm. those two together, that's an unstoppable approach.
1: Tell us more about now. Obviously, I'm a theologian and um, you know, doctrine, theology, masters, and all that, but I want to hear from from you. How how do you feel you've you've mentioned that a few times and I know our audience would like to hear this. Yeah. Uh about the relationship of the Apostle Paul to all of what we're talking sure. about. Take us back a little bit.
2: Sure, sure. Okay, well, you know, remember now, as a refresher, the, the Apostle Paul was called and commissioned by God to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Okay, mm-hmm. now Paul was a Jew by ethnicity. But he was called and commissioned to take the gospel internationally. I think it's 1 Corinthians 9.22, uh, Dr. Sean, the Apostle Paul says, I become all things to all people. To all people. Yep. So the question is, yeah, what, is he, what does he mean by that when he said that? So when you read some other the translations, Paul was saying that I become all things to all people. He said that I entered their world and I experienced life from their viewpoint. Mm-hmm. So if you enter my world as an African-American, black American, and you experience life from my viewpoint, you're going to quickly understand that the word re- Republican the name in conser- the word for conservative, those are oppressive words. You see, Paul Paul gives us the answer how to do it. He's Paul, mm-hmm. Paul the Apostle Paul said, Apostle Paul said, I didn't take on their ways, but I but I knew how to craft my words in a way where I could reach mm-hmm. a wide range of people. And that's what we're trying right. to do today as as conservatives. We're trying to take our our message to different ethnicities, like the apostle Paul did. Again, who in you. my opinion, Pastor Paul was a, was a diversity outreach expert, diversity engagement sounds like expert.
1: It. Yeah, sounds well, like definitely. it. That's awesome. Well, um, so tell you know, obviously this is going back a little bit, but I, I want folks to understand who we're dealing with here. Um, what do you do, like in in uh, in in your daily process of living and serving in in this mission? I also believe is from God. I believe you have an anointing. Uh, from God to provide you with the energy. And you have, anybody that's heard you speak understands you have a lot of energy. Boy, when it, when the green light goes on, uh, look out, K Carl is is ready to rock and roll. Um, what do you, what is, what does your ministry consist of? What, what types of things do you do? Uh, you know, traveling around and speaking. How do, how do people, uh, you know, and I know probably there's some folks that, that want to sell into your ministry. Uh, that they, you know, they can get a hold of you at the at the um, LibertyMessengerUSA Uh uh Okay, yes. we have another question. Um, ben Carson and Amarosa. Right,
2: it's, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a ministry.
1: Now, Ben Carson and Amarosa. Amarosa, uh, you know, she works directly with. President Trump, uh, President Trump and Omarosa right. became very close friends. She adopted a right. bit of a, and she'll tell you this, when she was on his show, she realized it was a reality television show. So she adopted a little bit of a persona that became uh, very popular, uh, kind of the one you wanted to hate type of thing. But in reality, that, yeah. that wasn't who she was. And she knew she was, right. she, she was so smart, she knew she was having an audition for something bigger and greater. And she'll tell you that, uh, really an amazing woman, brilliant, brilliant woman. And she gives all glory to God. Any chance she can get, she, she breathes, she prays with Donald Trump every day, every morning that she engages with Donald Trump. She prays with him. She said, I've laid hands on Donald Trump and he is receptive. Uh, he, he doesn't laugh at all. He's, he's, you know, I I think a lot of folks have been wrong, including myself about Donald Trump. So but, you know, maybe we can find a way to connect you with Dr. Ben Carson. He's very, very busy, but maybe we can. And Omarosa, who is very bu- I would love to help facilitate you getting your message to President Trump. Not that I have any swag. You know, I know some people, but not everybody. But, um, but ultimately, you know, if, if there's people out there listening and you have connections like that, how important is it at this time in our country? Now, now, I'll say this, uh, before November 6th, I was losing hope. I just about lost hope, and, and praise the Lord, uh, early in the morning, we, you know, it was finally called for President Trump, and, um, and I was thanking the Lord because, honestly, I, I felt like if, if, uh, if, if Hillary Clinton won, it was over. Uh, but that didn't happen, praise God thank you to Christians for coming out in mass and for people who have never would never have voted for Donald Trump in a million years, voted for Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, it's just a beautiful thing and I'm just excited about it. But I know that there are people that listen to this show, uh, some on live and some on replay, uh, that have contacts with them and, would be able to to put you in contact. So if you have that, folks out there listening all around the world, if you have that type of uh, contact, I I really implore you to get a hold of me. Uh, it, you know, if it's easier, if you to get a hold of me, and I will connect you with K Carl. And I know the people. My dear friend Lynn Roberts uh, does a lot of work with you. We'll make sure uh, that in very short order, you uh, you know you, you're connected. And if you're a person that says, look, I can't get involved any more than writing a check. Hey, K. Carl needs some checks. Uh, This is a ministry and K. Carl needs some checks. And I can tell you, I know this man and I know the people that he works with. And I know not a penny will be wasted. So uh, certainly this is not a telethon, but at the same time, right is right. Uh, Right is right. So um, it's just been a privilege to have you on K. Carl. I'm sorry we're out of time. It always seems like when you're on. The time is so short. Thank you for cutting into your time with your children, and, and uh, I really appreciate that. I know the audience does. It's an honor to have you on. We'll keep fighting with you uh, arm in arm. Um, I will say this in, in, as we let you go. Two gangs in Chicago have contacted the pastor that has been um, in Cleveland uh, to try to help them right. stop the killing in Cleveland. But also, right. um, that, pa- that pastor is uh one of the first to come out uh and say i support donald trump and uh, he turned his entire congregation i'd love to get you connected with them because and here's why because you you speak he needs a little bit of polishing uh with some of the origins he's very strong historically But the connection to Frederick Douglass, I think that's very important. And I'll do whatever I can to get you connected with him as well. It's an honor to have you as always. And, uh, you know, it's just um, keep on keeping on and and praise God for people willing to step out and and do this. So thank you so much. Hey, great chatting with you. Always a pleasure. Take good care, brother. So here we go. Now, folks, uh, it's always an honor to have K Carl on, but I'm going to tell you something you got to meet this guy in person. If he's ever near your city, uh, if K. Carl is ever near your city, you absolutely have to do whatever it takes to to get there. Hearing him live is extraordinary. And I'll just say this. People say that about me. I don't know if that's true, but whatever. Um, But it is. He's extraordinary. Now, since we're on the topic of extraordinary, uh, one of my very dear friends— uh, a friend of the show, a uh, she's called the Radio Patriot, Andrea Shea King. She's going to – now, look, I, I put this statement on here for a reason, and I want you all to understand that it's not hyperbole. I'm I'm, I'm not drumming up, uh, you know, hype uh, in order to get more listeners to the show. I'm, I'm going to say this, what my dear friend, Andrea Shea King – now, she doesn't say anything. She doesn't thoroughly and completely research, and she's on – she is on the case and she's connected with people uh, who are very much involved with the investigations. But Andrea Shea King uh, would tell you what, what we're going to discuss now is not for the weak stomached person, the faint of heart. Uh, Andrea, I can tell you, is not a conspiracy theorist. Uh, she is first and foremost a patriot, a woman of great faith. Uh, she has uh, you know, been connected at the at the very highest levels in her different careers and, um, and in what she does now. So what we're going to discuss now, I'm just, I want to make sure we're clear on this because at the end of this, I don't want you to say, whoa, that was, that was more than I could take. Uh, very important for you to understand what's coming at you now is not what you're used to hearing. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us today. What an honor to have you.
3: No, it's a pleasure to be with you, Sean. Absolute pleasure to be with you. And uh, thank you for inviting me.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Now, (laughs) normally when we get together, we have fun. Uh, This is not going to be one of those times. This is not going to be a fun uh, discussion. But I'm telling you folks, um, this is critically important. So, Andrea, tell me, um, and I'm imagining this started with pulling a thread, and then that thread... Mm Kind of went and went and went tell me about the process that started started what we're going to talk about today
3: Okay Well, you know, as I was preparing for um, today's interview with you, I I was trying to remember back to how I found out about this. And honestly, for the life of me, I don't know. I might have been on one of the message boards. It could have been Reddit. It could have been Vote. Um, I don't think it was 4chan because I don't usually go over to 4chan a whole lot. But um, nevertheless, uh, I I became aware of this uh, fellow named George Webb who was doing some investigation on um, what was happening based on what he was reading in the wiki, the, the leaked WikiLeaks of John Podesta's emails. And I started following him. He, he does a, a daily video report reporting on what he is what he's discovered, what he is suspects is going on uh, connecting dots. And he uses citations, that come from the WikiLeaks documents, the uh, uh, documents that come from FOIA requests, for example, Judicial Watch, um, published articles both nationally and internationally, and uh, just based on some knowledge that he himself has, and he has a lot of background knowledge, which leads me to believe that he has been in his life, in his career, um, a, um, a non-covered uh, uh, CIA agent. Uh, which mm-hmm. essentially means that you're you're um, you're an economic spy, if you will. And uh, mm-hmm. according to his LinkedIn description, um, he work he's a software developer, and he knows Eric Schmidt well. Uh, Google's Eric Schmidt. Um, he worked for Sun Systems, and he knows the people who are involved in. Um, software that is developed for surveillance reasons, software like Palantir and, um, uh, and others. Okay. So, you know, I did a little bit of research on him before I started to buy into what he was saying. And when I started reading some of his, his reports, it was intriguing, very, very intriguing, to the point where I felt like I was opening up, cracking open a brand-new Tom Clancy novel I mean this mm-hmm. this is this is James Bond and twenty-four and Tom Clancy all rolled into one about the deep state, about what is really happening in our country by people who are at the top, both visible and invisible, right in front of our eyes that we are not even seeing. The media is covering it, the the government is covering it. I mean, it's just it's just incredible. So this started back in November. all right he had He had uploaded about twenty days' worth of video reports. Mm-hmm. Somehow or other, youtube YouTube took them down. And by then he already had a small gathering of people, you know, several hundred people who were reading him every day. And some people were able to grab some of his videos and save them. And so anyway, he started from scratch all over again. I started reading him on day twenty. And I have been reading him ever since. This is now day 108. And he files at least one report a day, sometimes as many as five reports a day, depending on what he is uncovering. So. I've been telling some friends about this and people are just like, you've got to be kidding. you got to be kidding. No, I'm not kidding. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't, if I had to put my hand on a Bible in a courtroom and say, I swear to you, this is the truth and nothing but the truth. I couldn't do it because I, I can't, I, I just, I can't. But what he is, what he is painting a picture of is so connected to what, I already know, and what a lot of people already know, if they've done any reading at all about the CIA, about the deep state, about the shadow government, about the Clinton Foundation, about what Hillary Clinton's been doing over in the Middle East, it all starts to come together. So mm-hmm. a few days ago, I, I thought I, I need to get this information out there. I mean, I'm so in, um, invested in what I'm learning that. You know, one hundred and six days into it, I'm thinking, I've got to get this information out there. George Webb is really putting himself out there. He's not worried about them coming after him. As a matter of fact, he's already said he's he's put a dead man switch on his on his uh, um, reports, and that if we if we don't hear from him for a couple of days, start reading the newspapers and look for his name. He gave us his full name, where he lives and um, and carry on, just carry on. You can't be afraid to die in pursuit of the truth because it's a it's 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 the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. So I decided that I was going to write an email about all of this to everybody on my mail list, letting them know what was happening. I composed the email and it scared me. <laughs> I have to admit, I, I read it and I thought, do I really want to send this out? I mean, first of all, my credibility is on the line. Uh, everything I've built up uh, in my career up to this point, I could be putting it out there and you know, just blowing it away or not. So I slept right. on it. I prayed on it. I thought, okay, God, you, you're going to, you're going to lead me to tell me what to do here. I'm not going to push this out there now. I'm going to pray on this. So I did for a couple of days and I don't know what it was, but at some point I just felt a peace about it. So I thought, okay, I'm going to send it out. So here's what I sent out for the benefit of the, and this will, this will actually tee up what we're going to talk about. Um, what I'm about to share with you is not what you're gonna hear about or read about in the news. The corporations that own the media, they're also involved in this coverup. They're never gonna tell you the truth of what's become known as the deep state, which is a shadow government that's operating in plain sight, using unaccountable black budgets that are funded by you and me through congressional appropriations and through billions of dollars that have been extorted from compromised individuals and corrupt activities that include unspeakable crimes. Citizen investigator and self-described software developer George Webb Swigert of Portland, Oregon, with the help of tips from FBI insiders and several other citizen researchers, has uncovered what the CIA, the Clinton Foundation, Clinton Global Initiative, Several U.S. Senators, among them members of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee and the Armed Services Committee, U.S. and NATO military generals, including David Petraeus, and the power elite, what they are involved in. Their activities include extortion, blackmail, money laundering, human trafficking, pedophilia and child sex trafficking, slave labor, kidnapping, Illegal organ harvesting, medical experiments that include spraying viruses and then experimenting with different vaccines to see how they respond on poverty-stricken populations. Middle East nation toppling, Libya, for example, for oil, pipelines, and minerals. Illicit government pay-for-play contracts, bribery, perjury, obstruction of justice. For example, it has been revealed that then-Secretary of State Hillary Clinton facilitated and profited from the trafficking of Libyan Stinger missiles and sarin gas to the Muslim Brotherhood, otherwise known as ISIS. Weapons which were obtained during the coup that they perpetrated on Muammar Gaddafi, at which time they stole Gaddafi's weapons, his oil, his gold, and Billions of dollars. You might recall Hillary Clinton in that video clip saying, we came, we saw he died, and she started laughing. That's what she was talking about. This Hmm. story unwinds to show how Libyan arms trafficking led to the death of Ambassador Christopher Stevens and why the State Department and the Obama White House ignored pleas for security and later for rescue. F.B.I. agents and other intel officers in field offices across the country are taking a huge risk leaking information to Webb through surreptitious means, in hopes that enough publicity and public pressure will be put on the Trump White House and the Department of Justice to bring the guilty participants to justice, draining the swamp, as it were. Now, these guys, in the field offices, the leakers, the whistleblowers, in the white hats, they know what's going on. And they know that they must work around the corruption at the top of the agencies, especially the FBI, the CIA, and the State Department, if they have any hope of exposing these crimes. Now, following these insider tips, Webb and many citizen sleuths are pulling on threads that are leading to stomach-churning revelations. I mean, truly the underbelly of evil. What's being uncovered and exposed is an extensive racket, a scandal of such proportions that if revealed could very well bring down our government because many are involved, Republican and Democrat alike. Now, if you're wondering, 80% of Webb's investigative findings are fully sourced with linked citations to WikiLeaks documents, and published articles and news reports that are both national and international. The other 20% is speculation based on logic and connecting dots. His citations, he includes them with each of the uh, uh, each video that he puts out. Now, the ultimate incriminating proof of Webb's discoveries is said to be in the estimated trove of 650,000 non-governmental emails that are contained in 19 Gmail accounts used by Hillary, uh, other State Department personnel, John Podesta, Sidney Blumenthal, Huma Abedin, and others who used them outside of the state government email system to hide their illicit activities from possible exposure via the Federal Records Act. Their illicit activities continue to this day. Those emails were discovered by NYPD, New York Police, on a laptop that they got from Anthony Weiner and was used by both him and his wife, Huma Abedin. The emails were viewed by an NYPD chief who said that what he saw made him sick. And I'm going to quote him here. What's in the emails is staggering, and as a father, it turned my stomach. There is not going to be any Houdini-like escape from what we found. We have copies of everything. We will ship them to WikiLeaks, or I will personally hold my own press conference if it comes to that. This NYPD chief said, once Comey saw the alarming contents of the emails, he was forced to reopen a criminal probe against Clinton. You recall when that happened just about, what, 10 days, two weeks Mm -hmm. before the election? That's why he did it. He was forced to do it. Too many people knew what was in those emails the police chief said people are going to prison. Unfortunately, it appears that since he made that public statement, the NYPD has been muzzled and we haven't heard anything else. Now, these 650,000 Gmails are being withheld by FBI Director James Comey, who is also believed to be involved via his dealings with the Clintons. With their foundation, with the late Mark Rich, who you might recall, Bill Clinton pardoned, okay, and mm-hmm. Com- and because of Comey's stint at Lockheed, while he was at Lockheed, he um, he he was paid six million dollars one year that he was there, one of the years that he was there. That same year that he was paid $6 million, Lockheed also made a contribution to the Clinton Foundation and received 17 federal government contracts. Hmm. Also protecting the Gmails from being released is FBI National Security Deputy Andrew McCabe, who is believed to have taken a million-dollar bribe via a campaign contribution from a Clinton ally to his wife, physician Jill McCabe, when she was running for state Senate. Now, leads you to ask, are the top people at FBI in the protection racket? And mm-hmm. why is the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, a guy named Preet Bahara, who was recently featured on the cover of Time magazine, why is he not pursuing this? Are President Trump and Senator Jeff Sessions and the Trump national security team aware of it all and just biding their time until... Sessions gets confirmed? Is this why the Senate is dragging their feet in confirming Sessions? Will, will Trump's soon to be confirmed Attorney General Jeff Sessions demand be released for the American taxpaying citizens to see and for those who are guilty to be brought to justice? Will President Trump keep his promise to us to drain the swamp? There are at least four, maybe five countries that through their own intelligence hacking sources know exactly what is in the 650,000 Gmails that are being held back by the FBI. Among those countries, unfriendlies, Russia, China, Iran. Uh, Israel is believed to have them too. Now, imagine if, Iran is one of the five countries that has digital copies of these 650,000 emails. Do you suppose that's why Obama cut that deal with Iran, giving them billions of dollars and lifting sanctions? Iran has announced it's going to start naming names on who in our government is involved with terrorists. I mean, this was reported at zerohedge.com. Now, Hmm. it, it kind of makes you wonder how deeply involved in all of this was Barack Obama. Armed with those emails and what's contained in them, our nation's security is in jeopardy. If these unfriendlies decide they want to use them as leverage, uh, uh, let's just say on our senators, for example. No, we want you to vote this way. Mm, We own you. And there's more to be worried about here than if the Russians hacked into our election votes. Do the Russians have bank account numbers, video evidence, a paper trail? Imagine the leverage that Putin would have on our president at the negotiating table. The traders in this U.S. Senate oil investment club, which is what it's called, would rather distract us with a war with Russia than chance having the truth come out about their involvement in the Clinton, CIA, DynCorp dealings, dealings that include zero footprint architect David Petraeus, Clinton arms dealer Mark Turi, who is believed now to be dead. He's not been heard of uh, since uh, October of last year. Russian uranium deal fixer Frank Justra, who was partnered with Rupert Murdoch in the ownership of Lionsgate Movie uh, Making, which is a, a money laundering operation, believed to be a money laundering operation. And there are so many others that when it comes out, your head will spin. I had to draw up. I have a flip chart. And there are so many people involved in various aspects of this. And it's, 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 it's quite compartmentalized, too. In typical CIA fashion, uh, cell number one does not know what cell number two is doing. They just know that they've got their mission and they're doing it. They're accomplishing it. But when you look at the whole picture, it's like all these puzzle pieces start to fit together and you get to see the, the, the big picture of what's going on. These dealings, like I said, they include David Petraeus, Mark Torrey, arms dealer, Russian uranium deal fixer, Frank Giustra. I drew up this organizational flow on a flip chart so I could keep all the players straight. I put their names, little bullet dots underneath as I learned more and more about them. And I'm telling you this, I mean, it's like a piece of wallpaper. It's so big. You'd recognize some of these names. Now, I listed some of them, not all of them. But some of them, there are many, many more involved in this worldwide scandal that seems to be really concentrated now in Haiti and Syria. Here's a partial list. Senator John McCain, Hillary Clinton, Hmm. Bill Clinton, Tony Rodham, Senator Lindsey Graham, Huma Abedin, Barack Obama, Eric Braverman, Sidney Blumenthal. A guy named Pug Winokur, which is quite interesting. He is the head of the U.S. Bureau of Prisons. Hmm. His prisoners... His prisoners are used, well, we, we, it is surmised, okay, based on some information, that those prisoners are um, essentially, uh, uh, what is it, cows on the hoof. When they need an organ, when they need a heart or a liver uh, or a lung, that's, uh, there you go right there. There's your inventory. Just pull one of those prisoners out, put them to sleep, boom, hot switch right there. And that's what's going on in Haiti as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Neil Brown, John Podesta, Andrew McCabe—again, some of these names you won't recognize—but these are people on the inside. These are people who are working with the State Department, who are uh, involved in in uh, all kinds of different aspects. Uh, 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 Different businesses. Let's just put it that way. okay? Um, Cheryl Mills, Mike Morrell, Mike Morrell, who sat in as the CIA director when they pulled um, Petraeus off because they didn't want Petraeus testifying before Congress in the in the congressional hearings about Benghazi. All of a sudden Petraeus, boom, no, he's not the CIA director anymore. Mike Morrell is. And Mike Morrell is probably one of the most underhanded, dirty players of the uh, 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 of this scenario. James Comey, Jack Lew, uh, Secretary of the Treasury, Jeffrey Epstein, the convicted pedophile, Carlos Slim, the guy who is uh, a friend of uh, Trump's and is, I think he's serving on one of his advisory boards. Maybe it might even be the Economic Advisory Board. I'm not sure. Carlos Slim, who has a a, a part ownership in The New York Times, also has um, the the entire monopoly of cell phone. Um, cell phones and cell phone service in Mexico. Well, there's a reason for that because it is believed that Carlos Slim gives these cell phones to all of these poverty-stricken women in Haiti, and these cell phones have an app on them where you can apply for a micro loan, and these this micro loan will give you money so that you can buy a sewing machine or something like that, and you can create your own business and you know pull yourself out of poverty. The only problem is once they've got the loan all of a sudden the interest rate goes up by 195%. So now these women are in a position where they're stuck. What are they going to do? Well, they either go into prostitution or they sell a kidney. Or they put their kids into prostitution or they their kids they sell a kidney from their kids. Carlos Slim, nice guy. Not Steve Feinberg. He's the I mentioned it, he's the he's the head of Dine Corp. He's the CEO of Dine Corp. He is on Trump's Economic Advisory Council. DynCorp is the company that is the dirty arm of the CIA. They do all the dirty work for the CIA. When we first went into Iraq, President George Bush had Blackwater, Eric Prince's Blackwater, as the contracted uh, operation over there. When Hillary Clinton became Secretary of State under the Obama administration at the beginning of it, they got rid of Blackwater, and they brought in DynCorp and dine corp um they the these guys these guys are running the whole dirty operation basically is what they're doing um those uh, jets and helicopters that jeffrey epstein is buzzing around in those are Dine corp helicopters jeffrey epstein is the pimp he's providing all of the um not all of the but many of the more beautiful uh women that are being scooped up off the streets and put and put into um servitude Uh, For men uh, around the world who want to purchase, you know, young, young nubile women. It's all happening with that. Um, Let's see. Peter Kazik. Peter Kazik. Interesting. He's a he's a lifelong friend of uh, John Podesta's. They went to college together. Kazik is an attorney. And when the when the uh, WikiLeaks broke uh, with all of the Podesta emails, Kazik was brought on to. to the doj uh i think it was um it wasn't um eric holder at the time i think it was loretta lynch um he was all of a sudden hired by the department of justice to defend hillary and huma um this guy is as podesta said in an email uh to i can't remember who he said uh peter kazik has kept me out of prison more times than i'd like to think if it weren't for peter kazik i'd be in prison now Peter Kadzik, dirty guy, dirty guy. George Soros, Vice President Joe Biden. Michelle Flory. Andrew McCabe of the FBI. Zbigniew Brzezinski, Sheryl Sandberg of um, Facebook. Uh, Frank Justra, Henry Kissinger. He's, he's known as the godfather. He and George Soros are the masterminds of all of this. Henry Kissinger has been, has been running these games since the days of Nixon. He's a smart man. He's a brilliant man. He's probably one of the most brilliant strategists alive today. And he it, this is all he's, he's the grand chess master. He's putting this whole thing together. Um, Philippe Raines and uh, Tom Nitus, both with the state department, James Clapper, former, uh, former head of the, uh, was it the director of uh, uh, national? Um, what was it? I, I want to say ODNI. The office of the director of national, whatever it was called, uh, Chelsea, Chelsea Clinton. Thank now, you. Now, how's Chelsea said,
1: involved? Yeah. How's Chelsea involved?
3: Through the Clinton Foundation, through the Clinton Foundation, she's she's. I mean, through the Rico Act, what they're doing with uh, laundering money and how they're spending the money out of the Clinton Foundation, she's involved in that because she's essentially That's- she was put in to run the place. Yeah, um, the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, Andrew Shapiro, ISIS, and Virginia Mosley of CNN. Interesting. She is the that. wife of, I think it's Andrew Shapiro. Um, that's who they feed the information to. So CNN, which is essentially the CIA um, um, CIA television uh, news organization. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like the uh, uh, Wall Street Journal is for, um, what is it? The uh, Wall Street, I think it is. No, Wall Street. No, New York Times. New York Times is um, for Wall Street that um, CNN is for um, the um, CIA. So anyway, um, what I did was I had, um, well, let me back up a little bit. Because the information was lo- that was coming out of uh, George Webb's reports was like drinking from a fire hose. I bet. One of the people, yeah, 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 you can imagine, one of the people, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm barely touching the surface by telling you this. One of the people who is a regular uh, viewer and researcher decided that what they would do is put together um, cliff notes, that they would go through each and every video and bullet point the points that George was making in that video. And so this is what that, I mean, what a, what a yeoman's task this was, because I will tell you right now, it is in 12 parts. And each part contains at least four, maybe even more um, uh, video segments that are bulleted. It's just incredible. I don't know. I can't tell you why this has intrigued me as much as it has, but it has. And so in order to keep it all straight in my own mind, I went out and bought a three ring binder and I started printing up all this stuff. And I will tell you that as of today, I have over 200 pages of notes and bullet points and articles that uh, I have assembled based on these reports. And, I, and this is a book. I mean, this is a book. I mean, in fact, people have said to George, you know, George, this would be a heck of a book. And, and interestingly enough, he was approached by Oliver Stone, the movie maker, recently within the last, uh, say, week to 10 days. Uh, who sent representatives to talk to him about the possibility of turning this into a movie. Everybody was warning, George, be careful, be careful. This could be a trap. You never know, blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't know. I mean, he he came back, he's still writing. So evidently they didn't do him in. It wasn't, he said, he said we're either going to see a blockbuster movie or I'm going to be dead in a parking lot.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's Uh, the real deal. I mean, that's, that's, (laughs) That's reality. I mean, for a lot of folks, they don't necessarily believe that that's possible, but it is absolutely possible. And uh, it's, it's real. So uh, w- we've got a bazillion questions coming in. Um, OK, first. All right. Let me expand this because we've got more people than we normally have here. Blah, blah, blah. OK. Um, why do you think Comey is still in office then? Why, why did Donald Trump keep Comey in
3: office? That's a very good question, and there are people who are asking that question as well. And um, uh, it could very well be that um, Trump has made a deal with Comey uh, that he will absolve him of his sins if Comey does the right thing once they get Jeff Sessions in place as AG. Mm-hmm. That's that, that's that's my do best. you think guess. he'll be put I,
1: aside? Uh, you think he'll do what he's. You know, supposed to. But Here's the thing. We have a really smart chat here and uh, are great listeners, much like your great show. Um, we have a comment here or a question. Do we really think poorly funded, poorly educated criminals are the ones behind all this? Of course not. And then another comment. I think Trump knew something when he was running, <clears throat> but now is getting better info. He never really considered uh, Petraeus for U.N. or any other spots, which some thought was strange. <laughs> but now it makes sense, uh, actually.
3: I think that what he was doing when he had Carlos Slim and uh, David Petraeus coming up to Trump Tower, just my guess, I think that he was getting the measure of them. I think that he wanted to meet them mano a mano, get, get the, you know, face to face, eye to eye, get the measure of who they were, see how far he could push them, just kind of poke them. Because we know that that's how Trump plays his game. He is the art of the deal. And he he likes to size people up, and um, he's a quick study.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's anyway. pretty crazy. Uh, and so we have another uh, folks commenting that they believe uh, Obama is involved up to his parachute, and it's no wonder uh, we have a Vito Esposito here uh, joining us. We're great, glad to have you. Thank you so much. Um, it's a one. It's no wonder Graham and McCain are so vocal anti-Trumpers. Makes sense. <laughs> Knew mm-hmm. Lindsey Graham and McCain were part of establishment and answers why they would go into Egypt on behalf of Obama and demand more be reinstated. This is all, you know, really crazy. It's like a looking at a puzzle. Others who are accepting mm-hmm. contributions from Soros, including Kasich and Rubio and Jeb Bush, mm-hmm. uh, quite frankly, mm-hmm. any of those names, uh, McCain, Kasich, Rubio, Jeb Bush. I, I'm not a fan of, of any of them. And, and people say, well, what about your boy Bush? Uh, Bush was never my boy, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and I have to say that 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 I was vocal about uh, the things that he did that I felt were very very wrong. Uh, though I think he loved our troops more than Obama, of course. Obama's gone. Trump or uh, Bush is gone, and President Trump is here. Uh, then we have a question from Jerry from Pennsylvania, who you know, uh, who was respons- mm-hmm. who was responsible for Extortion 17. Uh, Hillary and Obama, they allowed weapons in the hands of terrorists with service to air that took out Extortion 17. Uh, Vito says, and of course it had to be an inside job. Uh, Vito says, without a doubt, SEAL teams, uh, uh, it's actually DevGrew, members on that Chinook. What a coincidence. Maybe you supposedly take out Bin Laden and August 17th members of the SEAL team that did that are now dead. Um, Jay Seculo, by the way, and I don't know if you're aware of this. Jay Seculo, you probably are. It's silly. I know who I'm talking to. He is actually drilling into this. So maybe we could get you hooked up with Jay and, uh, cause you're such an excellent researcher, fearless, uh, that, that, that might just be, that might be a, uh, a good connection for you. Cause Jay is fearless as well. So, so now I guess I have to ask what, what do you think the process is for uh, attorney general sessions? He comes into the office. He's got a lot to deal with. I mean, he's, he's just going to be pummeled. Uh, now, now I, I, I went ahead of myself, I want to go back to a comment that was, no wonder they're fighting Sessions so much. Do you think that's the that's the reason that Sessions that is, is just so fought? Now, I would yeah, think. I mean, it hard. would have to be. Now, where do you think President Trump figures into all this as far as uh, what he um, – I, I do I do agree. I think that he had some knowledge of this coming in. You know, obviously, he's a New Yorker. Uh, he knows a mm-hmm. lot about what's going on. He has a strong hatred mm-hmm. for government and press, uh, not just for the lies that the press prints as fact uh, that so many people follow, but also for the omissions of reports, you see, oh, the things that they don't say yeah, that they absolutely. absolutely should be saying. So I, I yeah. have a sense that he really, really um, – Oh man, you know, let me
3: just, let me just, let me just jump in here and say that I think that that's the reason why he comes out with some of the things that he does that make the left just Like, you know, Blanche. Oh, my God. Oh, and even some conservative, you know, the folks that voted for him was like, oh, I wish he wouldn't say things like that. But what they don't understand is that he he's talking from a font of knowledge. He's letting things out that. And I think in some regard, he's he's telling he's he's dropping breadcrumbs to those people he knows Mm -hmm. know that he knows. Mm -hmm. And he's saying these things like I know who you are. I, I, I want to jump back to something about uh, Barack Obama. OK, um, mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the course of this research, this investigation, it, it has been discovered that the CIA actually um, grooms these kids. I mean, we've, we've we've heard of this before. I've heard of this before, but never really to the detail that this this investigation has revealed that the, these, the, for example, Eric Braverman. It is believed that he's the son of Ari Braverman. We don't know that for sure, but uh, that he, some of these kids are actually sired by CIA people so that they, then they are then sent to the best schools and they are groomed to become whatever it is that the, that the Kissingers and the grandmaster chess players, they're playing chess 10, 20, 30 years down the road. And it is believed that Barack Obama was one of those kids, that he he has CIA connections going back to his conception. Now, did they want him to become president? No, that wasn't the idea. They were grooming him to be a CIA operative in some form or fashion. But as, as time went on, they started realizing, wait a minute, there's an opportunity here for us to put the first black president in. He is, he is ideologically, uh, already his brain is massaged to the point that we, you know, we want him to think the way we think. And he's perfect for it. I mean, think about it. He was a state senator, a junior senator, a, a, a <laughs> state senator, and then he went into the, to the U.S. Uh, uh, Senate. I mean, nobody knew who he was he was he was articulate he held himself well and based on that they created an entire campaign around this guy that made him the messiah literally and mm-hmm. and uh, and do you think that that was that that was just happenstance the cia yeah. controls all the messaging all the messaging it goes all the way back to operation mockingbird when when the C, before the cia was known as the cia it was the oss Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. We have
1: a couple of questions. Um, uh, Andrea's photo of two men of interest. This is from Vito. Uh, Andrea's photo of two men of interest in Missing Girl in Portugal resemble John Podesta and brother. Any truth to that?
3: Um, I think that from from what George Webb has said, that was known as a wink. And somebody put that together just – they like to do that, he said. These people in the CIA and Dine Corp, they're always winking at each other. Um, Mm -hmm. For example, the name Dine Corp, okay? Dying Corp. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. that's a wink in and of itself. But, no, he doesn't think that – he thinks that might have just been – that was just – that was too obvious, too obvious.
1: Right, okay. That's his Um, estimation of it. Now, let me just for full disclosure here. Um, I, I'm not an Alex Jones type of guy. Uh, no disparaging of Alex Jones. Well, maybe a little. Um, I think he's a little over the top and I think too much for, um, uh, too much for aggrandizement. I don't, I don't get a good feel from him. Let's just put it that way. Uh, your view mm-hmm. may vary, but, but in my case, you know, he's just, just a marketer, but, um, in this particular case, when Barack Obama came, when he burst onto the scene, you knew you weren't dealing with a guy who just, well, dang, I gave a speech and all of a sudden I'm famous and now I'm running for president. Uh, you you knew you were mm-hmm. dealing with a guy who knew he was groomed, who knew that mm-hmm. he had a smooth path, who knew mm-hmm. that there's some folks that cut some cut some thick uh, weeds and thorns uh, from his path because they. Quite frankly, they just, uh, you know, he just had a clear path. I mean, it, it, that was obvious.
3: Yeah.
1: And, yeah. Yeah. and he had no and path. So, they,
3: they hit his past.
1: Yeah. And so his past completely erased, as, as Jerry said, yeah. at a great cost and, and at a great number of lives. I don't know that anybody, and there's a lot of people that say, well, just let Obama go. My gosh, he was a scourge on the country. Let's let him go. Just he's in the past. I happen to feel, and, and you know me, I happen to feel very strongly that for once, and I believe Trump is the man to do this, uh, he and his team, for once, we have to, we absolutely have to hold these people, determine their responsibility, and hold mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. accountable. Mm-hmm. Hold mm-hmm. them accountable. Now, law and uh, order. Law, law and order. And order. Remember? And I and I and I read an article. It's funny, Jerry from Pennsylvania. Um, you know, just n- notated this in chat. I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. At the same time, all of Barack Obama's gay buddies in college all disappeared. There's not a single one. You know, that we can look back and say, okay, well, you know, this guy's still alive. Let's go talk to him. They're all gone. Mm-hmm. And and you might say, well, it was their lifestyle and you know there's a lot of people that lived a very flamboyant gay lifestyle so so barack obama and 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 look i want to make it clear to my audience all around the world folks you need to understand it, it's not a matter of the ninja pastor is hating on gay people it's not that at all let's not make it a uh-uh. let's not make it a a, an, a a gay bashing thing that's not what it is and but what it is and th- and this is to follow up my statement that a lot of people say just let him go let's move on Uh, You can't let it go. You can't let a fake president Mm -mm. serve as president for Mm -mm. eight years, dupe the American people co-opt one sixth of our economy through uh, the affordable care act, the not affordable care act, the Obamacare. You you can't allow that because if that, if that is allowed to pass, my goodness, Andrea, we, we're screwed royally at that point.
3: Well, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. First of all, uh, it's all of a piece, okay? You can't just cut that off and say, okay, cut it off like an ice floe. It's gone. No, no. He who he who does not understand history is doomed to repeat doomed it. To repeat. And there is a lesson to be learned by everything that has come. I, I mean, look at the last 30 years, the last 40 years, say since World War Two. If you don't pay attention to the evolution that got us to where we are today, then you are a fool you are a fool Mm -hmm. and to say Mm -hmm. just you know he's gone he's no 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 there's a lot to be learned here and it's all connected to where we are today that's the first thing the second thing i want to say is that i know a woman who lives here locally uh, and i've sat and talked with her about this eye to eye she grew up in hawaii She married a Navy man who was stationed in Hawaii, and they ended up here in Florida. But she went to Punahou uh, Academy, where Obama Mm -hmm. went. She was a year or two ahead of him, and she knew who he was. And she said that when he was at Punahou, he was a snot. And she said if anybody wanted drugs, they knew exactly who to go to get them from, Obama. He was the candy man at Punahou Academy. He took care of everybody, and and he would do things for older men. He would service older men to get what he wanted. It was well right. known. This is from a yeah. person who knew him at Punahou.
1: Yeah, uh, Jerry from Pennsylvania you know, has a good comment. Why did Why did Obama stay in Washington to protect his legacy? No to keep running the shadow government if possible now for exactly. a lot of people shadow government the whole idea of that is just too much for them they, they can't process it it's uh, our, our guest on prior to UK Carl talked about using the right language to engage and to not uh, put up the walls to that that engagement language the right language to get you into the conversation to educate the person in a case like this this is a very difficult uh, thing and, and I tend to with my past I tend to try to stay away from things like this because it brings up too many things that are, uh, we'll say, troublesome for me. But at the same time, at this point, uh, it's much like I I was talking about uh, B.C. and A.C., B.C. versus A.C., before crash versus after crash. I feel like now I've got to talk Mm -hmm. about it. Uh, And it's the same way with this in that, you know, I know you. I mean, I've known you uh, several years. Uh, We've spent uh, considerable time together. We know our circles, and and I know that in this circle of people, it's not a conspiracy theorist tinfoil hat uh, society. This is is a very cerebral, uh, very, very, uh, and I want to say connected, but I don't want to say connected in the sense that, you know, upper crust connected, although some in the group are very, very, very well connected. But connected in the sense that reality is the key. Let's talk reality here. Mm -hmm. Let's talk, Mm -hmm. you know, let's talk real. Let's get down to the raw real. And in that community that you and I are privileged to be a part of, uh, there are now several people within that community who are absolutely now saying, oh, this is trouble. Um, And some of that is now I've been in countries as as they were collapsing. I've been, mm-hmm, I've been there mm-hmm. as the government was collapsing. The military was collapsing, uh, different factions within the military were literally in the streets fighting each other. Um, and, and I can tell you the folks here in this country that say, you know, we need a revolution. Well, revolutions are very, very much more bloody, uh, and, mm-hmm. and awful and, and unrelenting. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just, yeah, be careful you just, what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for. Cause, uh, cause I'm telling you, mm-hmm. it gets, it gets brutal fast. However, Mm -hmm. I have to say in this particular case, I think there are, there are enough things that we can point to and say that connects, not trying to connect them, not a bias, Mm -hmm. a confirmation bias, but, Mm -hmm. but a truth bias, a bias that says, look, this is difficult to consume. It's difficult Mm -hmm. to consume because it's so Mm -hmm. much bigger than anything that we would have ever Mm -hmm. wanted to believe. But the Mm -hmm. thing is, in this particular case, I think one cannot walk away from what you and several others are uncovering. Now, I'm hoping that we can get Mr. Webb on, uh, maybe next week, and we can we can mm-hmm. uh, co-host the show. I'd be privileged to have you do that, and we could co-host the show and 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 talk to him and have him explain right from where he is, because I listened to some of your stuff uh, with him, and wow. Wow,
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: some bone-chilling yeah. stuff. Yeah. And this is a guy, folks. You know, you need to understand. This is a guy who is also not a flaky, you know, ooh, clinging on. I have, you know, I have a lot of followers, and and I have people that follow me that are always sending me the the latest, uh, you, you know. And no offense to people, the whole chemtrails thing. I, I'm I'm not as interested in that, so I don't follow up on that. I can only focus mm-hmm. on so many things at one time. Uh, however, you know they're feeding me the chemtrails, and they're feeding me uh, intentional soil pollution, and all these different things. I just can't follow all those things. But those people never—they never come out of the bunker. They're always in the bunker. No offense to them. Somebody's mm-hmm. got to do that. That's an important function. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not that kind of thing. When when I would say on the radio, uh, I would say uh, very often, look, I don't believe. I believe uh, whatever his name is, Obama. Is not only is he gay, but I, I don't believe that he is in place for the benefit of this country. I, no. I don't mm-hmm. believe he was here to help us. I believe he was here to bring the country down. And he was very well schooled in how, uh, it, it, back to K. Carl, how to use the language that engages and draws them in and it takes mm-hmm. down the fences. Mm-hmm and the, and the, and the mm-hmm. borders and the walls. And then they, they, people go, wow, yeah, I could, I could really do that. I can well, really do that. I could
3: to this too is the, is the, is for the past 30 years, I mean, we've had the federal government in charge of education, educating our children and we've raised seriously, we've raised three generations of people now who are, and I don't mean to be insulting, but they're just flat out dumb. I mean, they believe everything they're told on TV. I mean, it, 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 it they don't think analytically. They did. They just don't have the the, the the wherewithal for whatever reason. And they've been they've been fed from the teat of government. Look at how they're responding to this to, to Trump being elected. I mean, you might as well give them pacifiers. They're freaked out. Two year having tantrums in a supermarket aisle. I think that this is all part of the plan. You dumb them down. And then you can do whatever you want because they're like cows. They're just yeah. like cows. They're out in the pasture. They're chewing on cud. And when you want to call them in, you whistle and they come. Right. That's how I, no, think I agree. It. That's how I see it.
1: I agree. Well, listen, I put the poll out there. Uh, Would you all like for Andrea and I to host Mr. Webb? And yes, uh, you know, resounding. Yes, absolutely. So uh, let's work on that together. I can't believe how every time I talk to you, the time seems to fly. We're out of time. But you know what? You and I will talk. Uh, We'll talk again and uh, we'll work at getting Mr. Webb on. And and somebody sent in through my uh, private message. They said, if you believe there is one created Obama, then you have to believe that there are more to be pulled out whenever, you know, conspiracy theory, Illuminati, they're all words to discredit. And the information is all there for anyone who wants to, to be curious and verify. Mm -hmm. And that's what you've done. You've done a very brave thing. And I, and I've always thought you were quite, quite brave. Uh, but I am, I'm honored to have you on as always. I'm honored to call you friend and a great friend of the show. And so Andrea, thank you so much from all of our listeners. We really appreciate it. And folks, Keep your eye on TheNinjaPastor.com, com at the Ninja pastor on Twitter, uh, and watch for show announcements, and, and that's going to be a big deal. So you all are going to want to be a part of that and tell all of your friends. Andrea, thank you so much, folks. Listen to Andrea's show also on Blog Talk Radio. It is absolutely fantastic. One of our mutual friends will be on next week, uh, Elizabeth Letchworth-Christ. We're going to be talking about uh, several things, but we're going to be talking about her wonderful book, which I am privileged to have uh reviewed on the back, the little blue book of grieving more than just stories. So, uh, we're going to be honored to have her on next week and b- both a great, great friend to Andrea and Andrea and her are thickest uh, thick as thieves trouble when those two are together. You never know what's going to happen.
3: Andrea, thank <laughs> you so much on for my joining us tonight.
1: <laughs> oh, thank awesome. Awesome. La- thank you. All right. Take care. God bless. So, so there you have it. That's just one of those things that you just have to, you have to take in and say, wow, that's, that's a lot. I'm, um, uh, it's a tough one it's a tough one. And, and Jerry has it right in chat. We are shadow citizens. And that sounds, you know, kind of like a joke, but we cannot recoil from our responsibility as citizens. Folks, follow me at The Ninja Pastor uh, on Twitter, uh, com. Put comments in, in the the blog posts and all that stuff. Also on the show page, um, if you think of it and, and you're so moved, Click the donate button. Doesn't have to be much. It just keeps us moving. And uh, share these shows with your friends on social media and your email list. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. To Take good care, folks. We'll talk to you soon.
0: Join us next time for the collision of faith and politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at the Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www.drSeanGreener.com. In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining
3: in this fight.